Welcome back to Over the Counter. I'm Mark Eastrick. And I'm Andrew Raley. So uh, today we're flying blind a little bit. Uh, Andrew and I agreed not to agree on a topic in advance uh, in order that our native brilliance might shine forth in its full splendor without any preparation, just total spontaneity. Now, no, okay, no. We, we owe more honesty than that to our listeners. We have X amount of time to record a podcast and you and I spend that much time every time we record arguing about what we're going to talk about. So we chose well, not to have a topic because it was if we'd had a topic, we wouldn't have done a podcast. And it's also true that sometimes our best conversations have unfolded oh, in that's the true. pre-record uh, jam session of like oh, absolutely topics that we could have talked about. Oh, totally. Right? You know what was the, the best one was the un, the, the, un, um, the unrecorded ghost episode between the two episodes when you and I got into a giant argument over uh, the will of God and narrative and all that. Oh my goodness. That was a long time ago. That was, a, that was like a two episodes two and three or something like yeah, that. that was a while ago. But that, that, that big earnest conversation we had between those two episodes, that might have been our best episode. We never recorded it. That was a great, that was a great conversation. All right, so... But there, there are a handful of things that are on your mind and on. Your oh mind. yeah, yeah. I so we definitely assume. need to. So for starters, we're gonna mea culpa, mea culpa, because we haven't done an over the counter in a long time. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of reasons this is the case, but we really should record more frequently. And we want to. We do that. Pro- the problem is, Mark's a professor. He teaches a lot. He has a family. I'm busy. I- I have another Andrew's show, busy. the uh, the counter position, and I record five days a week on my own. So. But I, this is a different thing, and I crave doing this because this is different than what I do on my it's show. It's really important for us to have these conversations, Andrew. I think so. So, uh, yeah, so there's been a lot of, um, a lot of ideas floating around. Um, well, you wanted to talk about science, and I just, I don't know. I feel like every time I learn more about science, I feel like I know nothing about science. Well, but you could let that, that's the platonic... Uh, way right the the more you learn the more you realize you don't know anything well right? and like if you only just encounter science in like the newspaper or like on the evening news you just get like these weird headlines every once in a while like they discovered this or they they realized that the discovery that they made five years ago was wrong and now they've shift changed their minds and now it's this it's like you know it used to be like you can't eat eggs you know? yeah and then it was like because of the cholesterol and then it was like no 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 you should eat eggs and now I don't know where it's at right no, now. No, there's still a, you should eat eggs, especially the. Um, actually, where it's at now is I I don't know where the mainstream is. You should eat egg yolks, ironically, but you need to make sure that you're not in some way allergic to the egg protein. So you, we went from eat eggs to eat egg whites to eat eggs again, and now we're to like eat egg yolks and maybe eat egg whites if you're okay with the protein. It's so confusing to me. Or, or like the, the whole food, food pyramid thing. Do you hear that Congress uh, allocated a million dollars to have the food pyramid studied by a panel of experts? Good. It's a mess. It's yeah. an absolute mess. I mean, I, I read an article. I can't remember. I think it was in the Wall Street Journal about how about the writer of the article is un, ups, unhappy with the people that got appointed to the panel to do the review. But whatever. At least it's being reviewed. It's better than yeah. it not being reviewed. Dude, there's something we could talk about. The, 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 the food pyramid... No, because we've talked about this about a billion times in the right. Podcast. It's, it's a very, it's a very, uh, but I mean, it's a very political too, thing. No, it's true, and and a lot of this goes back to the quantified self, and I mean, a lot of things that we're interested in. I mean, wh- what I mean is hmm. that it used to be that there was this kind of homogenous thing called American culture, 
and that there were people who were in charge of it, right? Like the big food companies, the big drug companies, the big politicians, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that there were people who could tell everybody else what to do, right? The big networks. Yeah. And that's just all breaking apart and falling, falling down. And some of, those, some of those people are retaining their market share or like trying to hang on to a particular area, but like in every realm that's breaking down. Um, so beer is a great example, right? So you had like, you know, like what, three or four big beer companies. Yeah, you had Anheuser-Busch, you had Miller, High Life. Right, and now and they're yeah. all under threat by the microbreweries, and they're shutting down or merging like one by one, right? Yeah. And the, the microbreweries keep getting more and more market share, and the Budweiser's of the world keep fighting back. Okay, there's it. something I want to rant about for a second. What, so Peyton Manning and Budweiser? Yeah, so Peyton Manning comes out and says that he's going to kiss his wife, kiss his kids, say you know, say a prayer and thank the man upstairs, and then drink a, a lot of Budweiser. And people were, A, aghast that he would sell out like that and take a paid advertisement from Budweiser to say something in such a, uh, uh, such a great moment as having been the quarterback that just won the Super Bowl. And I'm sitting here as a child of the 70s, 80s, and 90s going, wasn't it just a few years ago that it was a joke? I mean, they did the SNL sketches making fun of it. It's every year, whoever won, they would go to that um, quarterback and go, you know, quarterback so-and-so, you just won the, the, the Super Bowl. What are you going to do now? And he'd go, I'm going to Disneyland Yeah. every year. And they reported that he made a million dollars for saying, I'm going to Disneyland. And then they stopped doing that, evidently. I didn't even know they stopped doing it. Because I guess I just haven't watched the Super Bowl in a while. And then Manning just mentions his favorite beer in his, his statement afterwards. Turns out Budweiser comes on Twitter and goes, we actually didn't pay him to say that. We were very happy to hear it. Yeah. And I guess he does own like um, some shares in a, um, a beer distributorship in his home state. But the guy likes Budweiser. Now, maybe people get mad that he didn't say New Belgium or Kurs, Well, but I mean, The other thing I was thinking about it is, I mean, Budweiser is a consistent sponsor of the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Although, like, did they have a commercial in the series? Yeah, two. They did? Okay. So maybe, I mean, he is a kind of like team player kind of person. Like maybe he was just yeah. being nice to the people that were sponsoring the Super Bowl. Or maybe it. it's just as simple as the man likes Budweiser. Mm, I'm from, maybe. I mean, I'm from maybe. St. Louis, so it's like, like... He's pretty savvy with all this marketing stuff. Don't get me wrong. I don't he like Budweiser lot myself. He marketing but. contracts, you know? Like, he yeah. knows... I don't know. I like <laughs> would have been awesome. More to it than would that. have been awesome if he said, "I'm going to go kiss my kids," <laughs> or "I'm going to go drink some oh, buds," yeah, the, like the nationwide. because yeah. he's got those commercials with right, him right? going, going um, "Chicken parm, it tastes so good." <laughs> like all the different yeah. stuff like that. I mean, he didn't. He didn't mention any of the things that he does have advertising contracts with, like Buick or. I think he just wanted to kiss nationwide. his wife and kids, pray, and drink some buds. I, but that's I mean, it's I, I would I'd like to buy him a better beer than that. And let him. I'm sure he's probably forty. Did you hear that the, the a conglomerate of uh, microbreweries in Colorado sent him uh, like a microbrewery care package. <laughs> that's awesome. With like ten different uh, microbrewed beers. That's perfect. You know, um, but but anyway, we totally got derailed from whatever it was. Yeah, I got. I, see, that you, you just seized the moment there and ran after the whole. Because I was talking about uh, breweries with you yeah, know, and and there the, was just the, th three big ones the, and they control how everything's breaking down. And I just, I don't know. I mean, but you know what's so crazy to me what? is that Google and Apple are like the largest companies in the world. Oh yeah, yeah. is that insane? 
think it's like we, we like to think of them as these like tech startups that you know are really hip and trendy or whatever, and actually they're just like the man. Like they're bigger than Exxon Mobil. Yeah, but you know, okay, here, okay, here's something. Do you know I, what I mean? I mean, they are like the biggest companies here, in here, the world. They control billions upon billions of dollars. But I think there's something different about those two. This is a good conversation. I think we found it. All right, so I watched a, a TED Talk vi- uh, over the weekend that was talking about um, what makes Apple what they are and what makes some of these companies that just kind of have the secret sauce what they are compared to others. And he compared um, Dell. And Dell was like, we make a really good computer that's easy to use at a fair price, and we care about it. We do it in this way, in this way. Come buy one. And people are like, meh. Doesn't really inspire that kind of like love. It doesn't matter. They can make them as sexy. They can make them as pretty. They can do whatever. It just doesn't respond. And he says the question, and, and he basically said that. Well, but that's not so fair, right? I mean, Dell was super successful for a long time. Yeah, but. They're it not was, as much anymore. It was very much pragmatic in the sense that no one was like, oh, there's a new Dell computer coming out. I'm going to wait in line to get one. Yeah. People didn't go nuts. Fanatic. There wasn't a cult of Dell, right? Well, and what it is is that I think the common thing between Google and Apple is this. They start with their why. You say, Apple, why? We want people to be able to think differently and do creative, innovative work. So then the ne- that was like the core circle he drew. Then the next one was like, how? He's like, we're going to create what Steve Jobs basically always calls a bi- called a, originally a bicycle for the mind, a machine that amplifies human power and allows you to do things in a human way, but better than you can do by yourself. And then it's like, well, what do they do? Oh, we happen to apply all this to a computer and it's really beautiful and it's really well made. Would you like to buy one? We make an MP3 player that's really beautiful and really well designed because of all this. Would you like to buy one? But they start with their why. The how flows from the why and the fact that they make, that's why they can make a computer and then make an MP3 player and then make a phone and everyone loves it and it all has that common Apple okay, essence. See, I'm like a total uh, Apple skeptic. Like to me, that just sounds like communist propaganda. Like I am not part of the Apple bubble. I just, I just feel like. What about Google? Google says we want to basically, they said we want to house and communicate the world's information. And we're going to do that by email and by this and by that. And they, over time, have continued to do more and more stuff to house and, and, and allow people access to move around okay. the world's information. Okay, so, so, I mean, like everybody else, I Google things. Of course. Right? But it's not because I like the company no, or their philosophy, right? It's because they have the best search engine available. Right. But okay. do you use Gmail? Uh, no. Yeah, you do. Because oh, well, yeah. Okay. Our yes. institute has Gmail. Right. So, so use a Gmail. Well, okay. But what am, I, what am I trying to say, though, is that I don't, I guess I just do. Do you use Google Maps when you're looking for it to go someplace? You won't let me talk. All right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I have problems with Google because... They read your email to sell you advertisements. Yeah. Right? They have overtaken all these other advertising markets with their paid search advertising. Yeah. 
now they're starting to fiddle with the way the paid search advertising does, which they promised they never would do, right, where like organic results are coming up for paid advertisers but yeah. for other people, right? So they're screwing with the world through this kind of stuff. You know, they're... Um, and they, and there, are, there are other things that they have done that I think just reveal, I don't know, a kind of like teenage fickleness to the whole thing, right? Uh, in, in that, uh, they have started a lot of products mm-hmm. and then discontinued them, even though there were millions of people using them. Well, but they, they start them... And when you when you sign on to them, it says we don't guarantee this will keep going. No one ever reads that, but it says that, and they say that. And the stuff that worked, they kept. No one was using Google Wave. Okay. I mean, there were a few Google, people. There were lots of people using the Google Reader. And yeah, they that's shut true. That off. Man, I missed that too. I, I used Google four one one. I don't know if you ever used that. It was a service you could call Google four one one from your phone. It was a four one one service that you, that was automated. Mm-hmm. And it was great. You could call, and, and it would connect you to whatever you wanted to talk to or whatever. Right, but they, they have to. Ma- but they have to find a way to monetize these things because it's a business. Yeah, right. I mean, that's the point: is that they can give you free email that is as powerful with this whole Google Doc. Basically, when you sign up for a free Google email account, you get. Google Docs and Drive, you get free Drive space. You get the equivalent of something that you would have had to buy Microsoft Word for. I mean, in spreadsheets okay. and all that. But I don't necessarily, I mean... They have to pay for it somehow. I don't necessarily think this is a good thing. To me, it's it's very similar to us going in and like airdropping 50-pound bags of flour and rice on, on sub-Saharan Africa. Mm-hmm. And just be like, look, we're the white savior fixing the problem of, of African poverty and starvation. Mm-hmm. And in fact, what we're doing is destroying their local economies, right? So that nobody, you know, a farmer or a, or you know, or somebody who raises pigs or cows or whatever can't sell them at market because everyone's getting free food from the rich Wait, white people. What you're saying that we've they display, so in this equation with Google Documents, the, the poor black sub-Saharan is Microsoft. No, <laughs> they no. got displaced by Google Docs. No, no, no. It's local economies. Right? So it used to be like if you wanted to advertise something, you put an ad in the local newspaper. You had a local newspaper. Now, after Google, you don't have a local newspaper. There is no place to put your ad. Well, but I think that this is a. Okay. And, th- and Craigslist. Okay, Craigslist is responsible too. Well, but, Craig, but Craigslist is super local. Right, but it's destroyed uh, local advertising revenue. Well, but yeah, the problem. But th- there's the thing is that. There's Newspaper, a, newspapers ma- used to make all of their money off of classified ads. The huge... Right? But and now they don't. They, ma- they don't make anything because there's Craigslist. But now you're talking about a much, much bigger move from media to digital media. Yeah. That's a ju- that's, and that's way bigger than the scope of Google as a company. Well, no, it's not, right? Because Google is the largest company in the world. Right. And they're large, largely responsible. I mean, as far as companies go, they're, they have probably one of the largest market shares in the digital media economy. See, I don't know. I like that I personally would not sit down and re- I mean, there was a time when I got the Wall Street Journal and I would sit down there and sit down with a cup of coffee and look at the editorial page and read all that. But in Google Reader, the, I mean, it was great. I like Google Reader. I use Feedly now. It's like it's almost exactly the same. Someone stepped in, and I would rather give people, I'd rather have 
papers, so to speak, whether they're made out of paper or not, all over the world, and topics and stuff that I'm interested in, and have that all funneled to me instead of just reading my local newspaper every day. Well, it's the other thing that really scares me about digital media and the kind of unification of all information in Google servers or wherever they live yeah. right, is like 1984, right? Where you yeah. can go back and rewrite history. Oh, there's no doubt about that. There's right, and that's already, we've already seen it happen in, in, in minor ways, right? Where like newspaper stories get changed after the fact and there's no mention of an edit, but somebody saved a screenshot, right? So you can, you can tell. But that's what I'm saying is the digital media fixes itself because look, you can have... Um, it doesn't archive itself. I and mean, the only archiving mechanism on the internet is the Wayback Machine on, on archive.org, which is like a tiny percentage of the internet. Well, and there's also Google Cache. Now, they could manipulate that cache. Of course. But I'm, I mean, I'm not saying that Google is an evil government, right? But it would be very easy for it to be taken over by an evil government or influenced now there is a by gr- an evil There was government. a great article. I mean, this, this already happened with Yahoo, right? Where there, there, were, there was a dissident in China using Yahoo Mail, right? The Chinese government called up Yahoo and said, hey, can you give us this guy's IP address? And they did. They gave, they gave the Chinese government this dissident's IP address because he was using Yahoo Mail, and the Chinese government went and disappeared the guy. Right? No one's heard from him since. And this has happened not just one time, but multiple times. Like, this is where this digital age scares yeah. the heck out of me. Like, where, is the, where are the checks and balances against that kind of bad behavior by these huge corporations? Okay, well, here's the problem, though, is that we can either go back to sending letters in envelopes and worrying about whether or not the government is steaming them open and reading them, or which is just not going to happen. We're just not going to go back to... Okay, right, but now the NSA reads all of our email, right, with giant bots that you know, live in their servers out in Utah, right, where all of the email and all the whole freaking that's why I'm not that goes wor- through that's why and I'm, gets data mined. That's why I'm not worried about Google having a bot go through my my email that I sent and offering me a deal on the shirt that I mentioned. Okay, so but what I'm saying is like how do you think it's qualitatively better that the government is not sitting around steaming open our letters and instead is just reading all of our email? Right. No, no, I'm to saying me it's like a billion times worse. Right, right. So we well, all I'm saying is that we've gone well, it takes a lot of manpower to, to steam open letters. I'm just saying that it's... That, you can't that, steam open every letter. Okay, so let's acknowledge that maybe it would be better for privacy reasons or whatever if that was the case. But we look at... If you look at the modern world and you know mobile banking and all the stuff... Look at all the... It's killed local economies, quote-unquote. But how many people have been able to start and run businesses because you can just get a QuickBooks Online account and you can get a Shopify site and you can drop ship T-shirts that you had made and it is, there's tons of people that no, would never I'm do not, business before. I am not saying that there aren't any bright spots in the new digital economy, right? I mean, I think micro-lending is a great bright spot. Right? Yeah. Where you can have... Threshold funding? Well-off people in rich countries loaning small amounts of money to very poor people in very poor countries yeah. in, a, in a way that is like an effective mechanism. Right? Or, even, or even just like look at the, in our country with threshold funding like Kickstarter. You can have a cool idea for something, build a prototype, figure out what it would cost, and then find out if you have a market by pre-selling the first 50,000 of them. And if it goes... 
then the project goes forward. Yeah, if it I mean, doesn't, then you're like, well, I wasted some time. Another great example of like digital success, like actually helping the, the world's poor, is cellular technology, right? Oh, it's where, huge. Where a lot of third world countries never actually built out real telephone networks. And so when cell technology comes along, they're just like, hey, we don't have to build networks. Let's just put up a few towers. They skipped an entire exactly. m- uh, an right. entire step and so, in the evolution. So you, have, you have people in these countries who have cell phones without landlines. That's just awesome. I don't have a landline. Well, right, no, but what it seems is they never, they never had a landline. Never line. had a landline, right? yeah. They just jumped straight from no phone to cell phone. And that's, I mean, I think that is progress. Now, if they could just go from no water to bottled water or something, we could get to the next. Well, there are, there are a lot of real logistical problems. Yeah. Well, there are, but, there, but there, look at technology and the stuff and the, the way that we can communicate across for project development, stuff like that, in design and communicating design. You could now... Or research. I mean, yeah. now, I mean I've read an article about there that someone has built... Um, you could build plans for something you can build out of, let's say, uh, local stuff, lo- local materials to make a composting toilet or something that captures water out of the air when there's dew in the morning and then makes it drinkable or something. And then they just put the PDF up on the Internet and make it scaled where you can read it on a digital phone. And some guy in sub-Saharan Africa is solar charging his phone and then using those plans to grab plants around him and build a composting toilet. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I guess I feel like your view of the whole internet is much rosier than mine. I mean, I just feel like that is like that's like the ideal, like that's the creme de la creme, like that's like the the <laughs> tiny little uh, you know tiny little like one inch layer on the top of the iceberg, right? Well, I think that and that most of it is just porn. <laughs> well, most of it. Do you is, know what I mean? Like the internet, most of it the is internet porn. is basically just a giant porn. Machine. And we talked about Zach and I talked about this on the counter position a while ago about how. There's this weird Faustian bargain where no one likes to talk about it, but all of the cool technologies that we've had, especially things that connect people over the internet and streaming video, um, teleconferencing, all that stuff, all the major breakthroughs in those technologies were made by the porn industry. Yeah. And that yeah. porn runs the internet. Right. The money no, behind the internet is pornography. But given that that's the case, and given all the problems with privacy and everything, there is a there's a big trade-off, but there's a whole bunch of amazing stuff that this has made possible. And I think that, but the but world the, the, the world has always been a trade-off. No, it's true. I mean, new technology always brings these kinds of questions and conversations, discussions, problems. I mean, I just don't know. For me, it's just really hard to see where it's all going. Do you know what I mean? I there was a, there was an episode of um there was an episode of Downton Abbey. And they got installed down in the servants' quarters this newfangled device called a telephone. And the head waiter, the head maitre d', the guy that like is is the very traditional. I like things the way they used to be. Goes, oh, this thing's going to be ringing all day, and this is going to change everything around here. Life is never going to be no, the same. The, he's exactly right. I mean, there's this group of he uh, kind of was yeah. Franciscan friars. I'm trying to remember where they are. Somewhere in New England, right? They're like super primitive, the prior, friars of the primitive observance, right? Yeah. One of my friends went to pay them a visit once, and uh, they uh, they don't have a phone. And my friend asked them, well, why don't you have a phone? Like, you know, you could just have one. Or they said, well, we used to have a phone. And the problem was it just rang all the time. And so we could never, like, that we always had to have somebody answering the phone or always somebody calling people back or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was just like, it, it was too disturbing to their mm-hmm. monastic life 
for it to actually be like something helpful. But do they have a website? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, how do you find out about them? I think you have to know somebody who knows somebody, you know? <laughs> right. So it's kind of like, we have this really amazing thing that could change people's lives. Does anyone know about it? No. no Why? That's, that's not their, we that's don't not their mission, right? They're a monastery. They're not, oh, okay. they're not uh, going out, like, trying to advertise themselves. Like, that's not the point. <laughs> I'm kidding. But I guess the thing is, is it... Now, I will say, to kind of shift gears a little bit, we are in Lent, and I've been thinking about this, and... I guess I've been thinking about how different my life is right now at 45 than my life was 20 years ago. Now, most people that are, we're, we're leaving that generation behind that saw the shift to a certain extent, but I can remember leaving Missouri, driving cross country to California to go to Thomas Aquinas College and going for an entire year, then coming back and I stopped and called in Winslow, Arizona, and went to a payphone and called my dad because the old Eagle song with the line, I'm standing on a corner in Winslow, Arizona, and my dad loves the Eagle. So I called my dad up, woke him up, and said, Dad, I'm standing on a corner in Winslow, Arizona. And, but it dawned on me, I made a cross-country trip without a cell phone. Yeah. And I didn't have a cell phone when I lived. I didn't get a cell phone until like 2000. Yeah. Do you remember like trying to drop somebody off and pick somebody up at the airport without a cell phone? It was insane. Yeah. It was absolutely nuts. And so it's like now if I get lost, I pull out Google. I put the map. Right. And I find out, oh, I, it's over there. You have to go. Okay. It's like... I think about I'm not saying that these things don't improve our lives in some respects. Oh no, no, I'm going the I'm going the other direction, but it's like I sit and look at I check Facebook on my phone when I'm off. Like sitting there checking. I took the app off of my phone for Lent and I'm still just I have one browser left on my phone and I'm still using it to check Facebook sometimes, but I can't do without a browser. It's like I'm constantly, I pick up my phone just out of instinct because I might miss a text. I might, you know. But see, this is, I guess, what I'm worried about. I feel like the internet is like uh, turning us into. Um, I just did it. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know what you call it. Uh, like, we're all going to have Tourette's syndrome or something because we're all like. Oh, yeah. We're constantly checking these things and, and hearing notifications or whatever. I hate notifications, right? Uh, I mean, the, the original ones were those ones from Outlook, right? That would pop up on your computer screen every time you got an email with a little sound. Right? But now you get notifications all the time from all these apps on your phone. It's awful. Well, I turn them all off. Right. I mean, you should. The only, thing I, the only thing I don't turn off is a text. I get notifications for text and I get notifications yeah. for Facebook messages yeah. because the media group I do my show for uses Facebook Messenger sure, sure. to communicate about, hey, did you, that file didn't come through. So I leave that on. But other than that, I don't get any, like, I haven't forbid I would get, and when I get but, an email. But I guess what I'm saying is, like, I feel like the internet is turning us into distracted uh, bunnies or something. Oh, like, that's what just, I was... We're just all like, whoa, a new article. Oh, new headline. That's what I was trying you know, to get and, to. Is like, I'm and you're really, not, it's like you're not really thinking through things or, or like working through an argument or I don't know. Like no, I'm just saying that, that what I, I, I did, I did a show and I was thinking about this, about an analog lint, how, what it would look like to have an analog lint. And I mean, I just can't get analog my life that wouldn't allow me to do that right now with the projects I work on and the level of connectedness to people who pay my bills for pr- different projects I work on. I just, I can't turn the phone off right now for that long, but 
I think what I'm going to try to do as I've thought of get a landline. Yeah, I could get a landline. I think or a magic jack or whatever. I think what I'm going to do though is I'm going to. Um, I think I'm just going to start taking like one, like like a, a like a tech Sabbath, like on Saturdays during okay, the day. But, so the question just is, leave, though, like, turn the why, phone off and throw it in my why, bag and not pull it out. Why do you feel the need to do that? Because I'm I'm agreeing with you that it's turning us into these ADD distracted little man bunnies that are like da 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 da. Yeah. Yeah, this is what I'm afraid of. No, I'm with you. I think it, I forgot what it's like to have long periods of uninterrupted time. Yeah. Where I'm just doing what I'm doing right in front of me. It doesn't mean that someone doesn't stop and talk to me while I'm trying to read. I don't mean that kind of interruption. Yeah. But I mean turning my attention to check something on a piece on a screen somewhere. Right. I mean, I, I didn't even have a screen. I was thinking about this. I can remember being a grown man going to college and having two screens in my house, the television and the readout on my microwave. Those were the only two screens. Because the computer at that time was something you went to the computer lab to use, to right. research or write a paper. Right. Uh, yeah, I, do computer labs exist anymore? I don't think so. Why would they? I'm sure they do. You probably I mean, I remember them from college. I'm sure they have them at schools yeah. and, and at colleges. They have to have a place for people that don't own a computer or something. But or to print, maybe. I, okay, I, this is how old I am. I remember going to Southeast Missouri State University for the first time in 1997, being shown the internet for the first time and all that that year. But I remember going in on the way to the computer lab. There was another room that we had to pass kind of by. It was kind of like a little alcove kind of thing. And there were desks with typewriters all over them. And you could, oh, that's right, if you need to type a paper up. So there you was still, are old, man. I'm super old. Wait, wait, so like, tell me about your first experience of the internet. Okay, so we went to the computer lab over in the... Um, and this is the first time you'd ever seen it? You'd never I had, seen it No, I'd heard that there was this thing called the internet. And we went to this computer lab on the other side of the campus, not in the library. It was over like the business, um, the business building or something, the marketing building. And it was, um, it was in black and white, and it was mostly just a bunch of like use, it was like the Usenet. It was a bunch of use group, use news groups and stuff. And it was just like texts, and you click on a text, and you know, it was just, it was just, it didn't look, and I'm like, this is what I thought the internet was, a bunch of nerds talking to each other about something on these news groups, right? And, Someone told me, oh, well, they have it in color over in the big library. And I pictured this same little Usenet with these little things in with wacky colors or whatever, you know. So then I went over. I had to do something. I had to research. They got, had to research a paper or something. So I went over to the big, the big computer lab in the library, and I logged on. They showed me how to log on. And I saw, and I searched something on Yahoo or whatever, like or AOL or whatever it was back then. And I saw that, oh, it's like, a, it's like a piece of paper, like a magazine, except it just keeps going longer and longer. And you can put pictures and text. I'm like, oh, this is really cool. And then I was like, man, I, would look, I like this. I would like to make one of these. How do you make one of these? And it was impossible. You had to pay someone or something like it was in the, to program this thing. It's like, okay, never mind. I guess I won't make one of those things. Uh, it, but I remember going, oh, this is kind of cool. And it was, um, 
there was just no rules. It was the absolute wild west. You would search something and find things that are, would be that are out absolutely illegal now, you know, because there were no global laws mm-hmm. governing what you could put on there, and it was just it was it was weird. I mean, it was. But it was kind of like, oh, so oh, wait a minute, I'm looking at something. I think I used the internet before you did, Andrew. You probably did. Because uh, I, uh, I got a computer relatively early on. And this was like a DOS computer, right? Yeah. It was like a, I inherited it, right? And uh, the local library in my hometown in Arbor had a telnet. Yeah. So you could call in from your computer into the telnet and search the library database, like search their catalog. And if I we would do the dial-up thing like da, 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 yeah. ding, ding, yeah. ding. No, that's yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then eventually I bought my own computer and uh, I remember I had the the guy from the uh, the local internet service provider actually came over to our house, right, and sat down at the computer, oh, yeah. went into DOS and got it to download the uh, the browser, Internet Explorer, right? Uh, and then, because I, I didn't come, the computer did not come with a browser, right? So he had to download a browser, uh, and then... Well, it was probably on a floppy, though, wasn't it? No, no, he had to download it, and then... Uh, That's weird. Uh, and then he was able to get me onto the Internet, you know? But, yeah, it was like a 14.4 modem, or I think it was maybe a 28.8, you know? Yeah. So what year is Super this? Super fast ones. This was, I guess, 96, maybe? Okay, so right before me. Yeah, you did use it before I did, because I went... Oh, no, no, I take that back. No, this would have been 19... Yeah, this would have been 1996, because I, I went to TAC in 97. Yeah, so this would have been 1996. Yeah. Yeah, and it was just like... And I remember getting the, my first computer at home, and it being, you know, um, like those little disks would come in the mail from AOL. Right. And you do oh, the yeah. trial period or whatever. Yeah, and like, yeah exactly. Someone, someone gave me their email address the other day. And it was still, um, I think it was Over the Rhine, that band. They still have an AOL. Whoa. But I saw someone else. Do you remember Juno? Juno.com? A lot of people had those. Mindspring. Remember Mindspring.com? Hotmail for sure. Their Hotmail is still there. I know. I get people who have hot. It's MSN now. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like I have have people who give me a Hotmail address every once in a while. And I'm like, "I, I should log into my old Hotmail address. Wow, see how many millions of emails have accumulated over the years? I wonder if I have <laughs> there's probably There's probably like so much spam. Yeah. <laughs> that would be really interesting to see if anyone has emailed me. I can't remember the last time I used that old Hotmail address. Wow. I had Andrew, I got to email me at andrewmwhaley at hotmail.com. So, I, I mean, I think, I mean, I think we at least see eye to eye that the like the results of all of this digital technology on us as humans is a little ambiguous. No, I think it's I think it's a Faustian bargain with a really high upside and a really low downside. And but there's no going back, so we're going to have to figure out how to navigate it unless we just want to go luddite. But and I also learned something that if you and I don't have a t- planned topic and we start anywhere, we will end up on this conversation. Because <laughs> this is what we always yeah. end up talking about. Well, it's, it's fascinating, and it's affecting our lives every day. And you and it's funny, you and I are both, like, fairly technologically involved. Yeah. And we both come off like Luddites, but we're both super fascinated by digital and media and stuff. So. I don't know. I don't know. I just, 
I feel like the romance is gone. I'm. I mean, I just I, the idea of like going back to a paper world just sounds so nice. But could you imagine writing papers you write and stuff on yes. a typewriter? Yes, that just sounds so pleasurable. I dare you to do one. I mean, what? I mean, I dare you to. I don't even own a typewriter. I dare you to. I dare you to buy an old. I'll buy you an old typewriter and some paper. I dare you to longhand and typewriter from start to finish write an, a journal article or something. I guarantee you we'll have a different conversation after this happens. You'll be like, dude, there was no spell check. There was no, I had to go back and I had to rewrite the whole thing because I didn't put the citation in, right? I had to go back and then threw the lines off. It's like, it would drive you nuts to have to do that now. Mm-hmm. I think we become babies about it all, but in some ways, it's just, there's, we use, we want to take verbal ideas or ideas that are verbalized and write them in this, put them in ink on paper. But what we really want to do is we want to distribute that cognition and ones and zeros just work better than ink and paper. Well, I mean, it goes back to the, the, um, you know, people typesetting by hand or the linotype machine and all of that. I mean, there is a technological process that has to be gone through to get from the mind right into the public sphere. But I guess what I'm a little bit afraid of is that with the internet, there's just such a profusion of information that the stuff that rises to the top is not the most intelligent or the the, the most well-researched or uh, from the most intelligent people, but the stuff that rises to the top is just whatever screams the loudest or buzzes the most or is the most pornographic. Like that's what goes to the top. And but this, the, this is a huge problem with the way the internet works. But the good news is we're coming back full circle and so many people are curating and you don't have to now, you don't have to listen to what's on the top. You listen to these different other podcasts you listen to. You listen, people listen to our podcast. People listen to my show and, and then look at what, you know, there's a good example. Look at what we're doing. The, the company that I do my show for, we're taking, going full circle through the digital, digital media back to micro local radio stations, except on the internet where all the ads are for like these local businesses from right down the street. It just figures out where you are. Now you sound like you're trying to sell me something. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm serious. It's like it's whenever, the, this is one of the things that sold me on the project is when we started talking about this. It was like, oh my gosh, this is like the return well, of lo- this is a return of local radio again. He's like, exactly. Well, and, and this is this is interesting, right? Because in the way that Star Trek portrays the future, there's just like one central database where all information is housed. Yeah, and you can just access that from any console. But I think it might not quite look like that. I mean, yes, in that the internet will be this one warehouse of all information, but maybe you know, fifty or hundred years from now, after the transition from paper to digital has completed, right? Uh, that we'll have a different understanding of how it works. Like the, I don't know. Like there the, the will there will be these subdivisions or things in the internet. Well, I mean, one but, one last thing talking about all this all this regulation and stuff. ICANN is about to become a global thing as opposed to being ran by the United States government now. Yeah. So we're about to lose control of the internet. So it's becoming a global reality. Now, so that, I wonder what that will be. I don't know. I mean, I just like. I hope the government 
don't ever get control of the internet, to be honest. Well, we have. They do have. The United States government has controlled the internet. No, they don't. Well, I can. Isn't that controlled by the U.S. government? Mm, sort of, sort of, but not really. I mean, like it set up the network. But what I'm talking about is, is like I don't want the government regulating. I mean, the government. I mean, the government is like chomping at the bit to regulate the the heck out of the internet. Oh yeah, right. The FCC uh, has been told by the courts, you actually don't have authority to regulate the internet. They were trying to use like some ancient law from like the 1930s or something to try to regulate the internet. So uh, I just hope that they don't. Because if they do, if the government starts regulating the internet, can you imagine if you had to pay a tax every time you clicked a hyperlink? Yeah. Like, that's what they want. That, or they, want you, they could re- you could you could be writing an email to your friend and refer to Bruce, Bruce Jenner, uh, Caitlyn Jenner as him, and you would get a fine in the mail right. for violating gender equality right. laws right. or something. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to think that we're not that close, but, <laughs> well, no, but <laughs> we might be. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, you know, in some of the hot debates over the gay marriage stuff, like Facebook was shutting people's pages off. Oh, yeah. And this kind of thing. Um, but that was mostly, from what I understand, people reporting and flagging people's pages right. as retribution yeah. and they automa- they have an automatic switch that shuts it off and then I I'm keep- not exonerating Facebook on this point I mean you can all you want but I am not going to exonerate them for doing that right? because that is a total I mean if if Facebook is supposed to represent the public square which it really does in a lot of people's lives mm-hmm. then that is a violation of freedom of speech no but but, but they're, what I'm they, saying what they'll say is oh no these People are saying things that are against our community guidelines. No, 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 no. I'm talking about there was a friend of mine had his Facebook page shut down. And it turns out that a bunch of people who disagreed with him used the functionality that's in the, 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 the digital kind of like technology there. There would be the equivalent of like, oh, he posted a bunch of like kiddie porn or something. We need to shut this down immediately. And they complained. And it... In the agreement you make when you sign up, they can shut you off until a human being can come look at it. And the same thing with Twitter. So sometimes if we would have gotten as digital terrorists on our side of the debate, we could have got their Facebook pages shut down too. But just hacking hacking the safeguards, the digital safeguards. There are... There are many instances of this happening, and not all of them were just the automatic function. Of okay. Well, then you're telling okay. me that's the case, and that's the case. If you know about that, I... But, but anyway, Facebook isn't the government, thank God. No, and Facebook, look, with if Google wants to use a bot to look through your email to figure out what to sell you, or Facebook wants to say, hey, uh, this is how we run things, and if you don't like it, you don't get to have a page, they're not charging anything for the product, and it's their good pleasure that we have a page. No, but see, this is also the problem. They reserve the right to refuse service this, to anyone, like you see this, in those little stores. This is also know? the problem, right? Because the public square used to be a physical space. Right, yeah. Now the public square is a digital space. And if you start excluding people because of their beliefs, mm-hmm. then it's no longer a public square, right? It's a private, it's a private community. But Facebook in, is more the equivalent of like a local newspaper. And they can print what they want, as far as editorials or something. It's it's media. It's not 
the core. No, not face, the, the corner. I mean, the the core of Facebook is interaction between people, like between you and your friends. Right, but they're allowing you to have this page, and you publish things on this page, and you can invite other people to come read and them. So you don't think freedom of speech is important in that environment? I think I, it's huge. I think it is. It's a principle of our democracy. If you if you squish it by allowing this company to have all of this power over what people can and can't say, then that's no longer. American style democracy. I'm just saying that we didn't all used to get our own newspaper page before the new digital media. So the newspaper didn't have to give us a page. And Facebook doesn't have to let us have a page if it doesn't want to. It's a business. And they're not charging us anything. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're on Facebook's side on this. So you think they should just be able to regulate whatever people say on Facebook? And, no, I think and they get should be able to regulate whatever they disagree with. They should be able to let anyone have or not have a page, it's their business. And you can go start a second Facebook called Freebook where we don't regulate and then you'll get full of kitty porn and then they'll shut you down. And you go, okay, well, we'll have to put some safeguards in and then people will use those safeguards to hack each other and then you'll go, okay, girl, and then you're going to end up Facebook again, you know? I'm, I'm, I'm saying that they're not the only network. They're not the only one. You can, and you can start your own. The internet... You can put stuff on the internet. You can start a blog, but blogger doesn't have to give you a blog. You, you see what I'm saying? There's a difference there. If the internet said you can't have a page, that would be a violation of free speech. But if blogger said, yeah, we don't want to let you talk about your tractor collection. We're not going to give you a free blog to talk about your tractor collection. I mean, they're, they're the ones paying for it. They don't have to let you do that. I don't know. To me, that seems highly problematic. Well, we've let... we've Here's the problem, because, Mark. Because now the, now the companies are more powerful than the government. Well, there's the issue, is that we have let... We have taken a bunch of stuff that used to be kind of government or religious, and our society has moved towards talking to each other about those things through the lens of businesses that are largely providing free services in exchange for advertising. Right? That's just where we've gone. Now, the problem is, is that here's where it gets real sticky. Here's where it gets, okay, here's, here's where it gets real sticky, though, is you and I are sitting here, both political conservatives, and we're bitching about the fact that the private sphere took over something the government used to do, which is the whole point of conservatism and limited government no, and I, everything. I don't view it that way at all. I mean, I, I, don't, I guess I don't view it that way at all. I don't, I don't feel like the government used to provide us with Facebook or Google. No. But they used to maintain the public square. They used to keep the benches clean and sweep it and all that, and we could go out there and talk to each other. Sure. It's still there. We still could. Where? <laughs> We're public spaces in the corner, the street. What public spaces? There's all kinds of public spaces. Civic Center Park. Name a public space within a half-mile radius of this building. Uh, there's a, a park a block away. With a, with a pond and places to walk and bitches to sit. All right, okay, okay. We can go down there and say whatever we want. <laughs> yeah. But some business, we don't have to force some business to give us a little digital newspaper that people can be invited to come look at and then not advertise to us and not shut us down when we say stuff that they don't agree with. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would be hugely pissed. I would be sitting here screaming if they shut down my Facebook page. But... I would also have to admit, well, it was not like. I just, I guess. I are they going to refund your money? Well, I didn't pay anything for it exactly. But, but it was how free. is that? How is that different than you know uh, rewriting history in 1984? 
What do you mean rewriting history? Right, shutting down your Facebook page, erasing your digital life. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? How is that different than rewriting history? To me, it's the same thing. Well, if they went in and okay, rewrote it's not my the same blog. scale, right? It's not, like the whole, it's not like the whole government is conspiring to do this. Yeah. Right? But it's on a smaller scale. But it's like disappearing somebody. I guess if your digital footprint went away. Yeah. But the, 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 the check and balance here, though, is that they would have to get my Facebook page and my Twitter feed and my Instagram account and all these other things, my website. We could get a couple hackers in here and they could do that in five minutes. Oh, now there's what's scary. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not how that Anonymous is frightening. I don't, I'm not scared of Facebook. I'm afraid of hacktivists, like, deleting my bank account or something like that. Yeah. Not that it, there's a lot in there. It would not be that hard to do. Anyway, we should probably wrap it up. I could delete my bank account by buying a few good bottles of wine right now. All right, so between now and the next episode, I guess I'm going to write a paper on a typewriter and you're going to delete your bank account? No, maybe I'm, I'll delete your bank account. I'm going to come up with something to talk about so we don't pitch about this next time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andrew. Well, uh, I think, uh, as usual, uh, somehow, by a winding road, we have found ourselves at the end of another episode of the Over the Counter podcast. I'm Mark Eastcheck. And I am Andrew Whaley. <laughs>